0: In this week's show, we've got reselling news updates from just about everywhere. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to your weekly dose of the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. If this is your first time here. I get tired of saying that. <laughs> uh, my name is Ryan, and I'm a full-time Reseller, part time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the Bat Cave. And this channel is all about the flip life. Every week, Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, we go live on YouTube. So if you are here this morning, I know there are already several people in the chat. Thank you for coming by. You can get caught up on at least the stuff that I think is relevant and interesting news in the world of reselling that you may have overlooked throughout the week. Um, and we'll recap. Usually a few things that I sold, although this week, I must say, it was not very impressive. So, uh, with that being said, let's get into this news. News Updates So, the first thing, if you are watching live today, in addition to thank you for being here, uh, or catching this before Thursday, the 11th of November, remember that tomorrow... Is Veterans Day, and the United States Postal Service will not be operating. So, uh, get your shipments out this afternoon, or be aware that you're not going to be able to get them out until Friday. I don't know. I don't know if eBay and Etsy and the various sites send out any kind of notifications for anything like that. I know there was a holiday not all that long ago where eBay actually continued to tell people that they needed to ship things even though shipping was not available. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But with that, let's get into uh, the other reselling news. We're going to start today with eBay. And uh, how do you like this fancy new window? Boy, StreamYard just continues to update things. Uh, If you are watching the YouTube version of this, they gave us yet another layout option. uh, So I can actually have the news appear full screen so maybe you can read it if you're on a on a smaller device anyway uh, eBay has announced the launch of the eBay refurbished so this will bring inventory from pre-selected brands and top rated sellers with standardized condition grading we talked a little bit about the changes they were making to the refurbished program a couple of weeks ago, and now they have introduced actually kind of a standalone site for this. So it's not just part of their certified refurbished offerings. It is an all-new destination. Uh, The article on uh, Cision PR Newswire says, Amidst holiday scarcity issues, research shows majority of Americans are buying refurbished products for themselves and people on their gifts lists eBay, one of the world's largest online marketplaces, which is something we'll be talking about a little bit later in the show, has announced eBay refurbished a new destination for like new products. Shoppers can discover refurbished items from brands like Apple, Samsung, and Dyson, all backed with either a one or two year warranty. Through this new offering, the deeply discounted inventory is sourced directly from premium brands or top rated sellers. The thorough vetting process ensures every item meets eBay's high performance standards, giving people more choice and the reassurance that they're buying the product to suit their specific needs and budget. We talked about in that previous episode how eBay had changed the refurbished requirements beginning in cell phones. They're now rolling this out to other categories as well. The article points out that one year ago, eBay launched its certified refurbished program with inventory direct from the top brands and saw a 170% year-over-year surge in sales during Cyber 5, which is, I think, the five days kind of around Black Friday. Building on this offering, eBay refurbished now includes multiple condition grades and a wider range of price points on like-new products. As retail scarcity continues to dominate the holiday shopping season, the expanded program delivers a new way to buy in-demand products and even more options to give consumers what they want. Uh, the article points out that this comes at a time when people are doing more than just considering refurbished. Nearly half, 45, 47%, have gifted a refurbished item in the past, which is up from 32% just a year ago. And this growing trend is led by 64% of millennials who have already gifted a refurbished item, which is up from 48%. The condition choices have changed as part of this program. There is now the certified refurbished, which they describe as in pristine like new condition and backed by a two-year warranty, come in new packaging with manuals and accessories. Excellent. Items are in like new condition, backed by a one-year warranty, and come in new packaging with manuals and accessories. Very good. Items show minimal wear, backed by a one-year warranty, and come in new packaging, and good. Items show moderate wear still backed by the one-year warranty and come in new packaging. So this is a big, a big deal for eBay as they continue to try to differentiate themselves from some of the other online platforms. I don't really sell refurbished goods. I'm not in a position to refurbish goods. But if this is an area or you sell kind of electronics, have you gotten caught up in uh, all of these changes that have taken place within the refurbished program? Continuing on with eBay, there was a... Uh, A video that came out last week from Casey Paris, who is Rockstar Flipper on YouTube. He uh, did a whole video on the fact that eBay was requiring some buyers to pay immediately if a seller accepted a best offer. He found this out. He was trying to make an offer, and he received a message saying, Your offer is ready to roll. We will send this one off for you, and if it is accepted, we will charge you for the total amount. Good luck. So what he was trying to buy, he had to input payment information before he could actually submit the offer. During last week's earnings call, the eBay CEO told Wall Street analysts that eBay had effectively eliminated unpaid items on fixed price transactions and had continued to reduce this issue for best offers. He said unpaid items have been on the eBay platform forever, but they virtually eliminated them and were doing so in Best Offers so that sellers won't have to face that issue. It takes friction out of the platform. These changes have already been implemented in fixed price sales where 99% of transactions are now paid up front. And to help ensure that that you get paid on Best Offer sales, we'll soon start to ask buyers to provide a payment source at the time their offer is made. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I cannot tell you how many times a week I accept the best offer and then it sits there for the whatever the new window of time is four days, I believe, uh, and then gets canceled. So uh, thank thank whatever God you pray to <laughs> uh, that this is uh, being fixed. Uh, he also said that they were evaluating similar solutions for auctions, for 2022. So for those of you who do auctions, uh, you've got that coming up as well. So great news from eBay. This was verified uh, kind of the next day by eBay. They confirmed that they were testing immediate payment on best offers with a selected group of users. An eBay moderator confirmed the test and answered a few questions about it on a thread over on the eBay seller discussion boards. Quote, hey all, confirming there is currently a test running enabled for some buyers, so this isn't widespread just yet, where their payment method will be automatically charged when the seller accepts an offer or when the auto accept price on an offer is met. When making an offer, those buyers who are in the test are prompted with a payment screen where they can choose from existing payment methods or add a new one and also to add edit or add a shipping address. Should the offer be accepted by the seller, the buyer will be automatically charged. So some other key points that he made at this point as a seller, there's no notification built yet to indicate if the payment will be immediate or not. So on our end, we, we don't have any idea other than the fact that, and I did have this happen a couple of times last week where I received an offer and then immediately after accepting the offer, I got a, Your item has been paid for notification. So it's really, really quickly after for those that are in this program. The payment screen, they say, has an option to pick a delivery option. The buyer making an offer every time will be presented with the payment screen. So for every offer, the buyer, excuse me, in fact, has to confirm a payment option and shipping details before they submit the offer. For every offer, the buyer does have the ability to edit or add new payment methods as well as update shipping addresses and choose from delivery options. Again, the payment is only charged if and when the seller accepts. A buyer who is in this test segment, when they are presented with the payment screen, there is a link on there to provide feedback on the new experience. I'd be interested what the offerers think of this new program. The team is constantly reviewing these feedback and will be used to share the product into a better product. I think they meant shape. But uh, if you're in the test group and you are prompted for payment, this is the only way you can submit offers. So you can, you don't, as a, a buyer, have an opportunity to opt out of this. If you're in the program, you are in it. So uh, TRB Collectibles immediate payment on best offers is fantastic. Yes, indeed. That is, <laughs> that is great news. <clears throat> uh, eBay has also updated Uh, eBay stores, they had talked about this in the Fall Seller Update. They talked about it on their earnings call, and now they have rolled out some of these changes. There is now a dedicated store tab in your Seller Hub. You can easily set up and manage your store and access all the latest store features from your one-stop shop in Seller Hub. There's now an About tab in your store. You can set store policies, so you can set expectations with your buyers around shipping return and business policies, so there's actually a place for that on your storefront. Inventory strips. Choose which items your buyers see first by adding up to four inventory strips, each with up to six items. You can choose from topics such as featured items just in holiday collection and more. So in place of just the one set of offers that you used to be able to show on your store, you can now have multiples of that. There are visual categories. You can have up to six each with its own custom image in a visual shop by category section. And there are now marketing banners also available to grab buyers' attention and highlight products, sales, or promotions with clickable marketing banners. In addition, they say they have upgraded the in-store search experience. Your store search will now show all of the same filters and search tools available on eBay's general search, making your inventory easier to find when buyers are searching directly in your store. They say you'll see more updates and enhancements to stores coming in the weeks and months ahead, including the ability to add a video, which they've been talking about for nearly a year. <laughs> uh, so hopefully, we'll get that at some point. But uh, good news—I've looked at that. It is—it's a little bit cleaner look, and your access to it now, all being in Store Hub is in Seller Hub rather, is uh, pretty nice. They've also made some changes in how your seller information is displayed on the mobile web. So this isn't the mobile app. This is the mobile web version of eBay. So there's three different ways that you can see eBay. And this is kind of the middle one. I don't know how many people actually use this, but they have made some updates. They say with the holiday season here, We know how important it is to take advantage of every opportunity to support conversion and drive sales. That's why we're making some changes to the view item experience on mobile web. First, they are adding a new, more visible way for buyers to find your store. So again, tying back to what we just talked about, they really are making an effort to drive people to your eBay store if you have one. So that's good news. Buyers on mobile web will see that link in the store in the About This Seller section of the View Item page, making it easier and faster for them to connect with more of your inventory and learn about your business. Secondly, they're making important information about your business and feedback more visible. On mobile web, your seller name, logo, and feedback rating will now appear directly under your listing's title, which will give more visibility to your brand and your business. That's all good. You'll also see your overall seller feedback and your most recent feedback comments displayed more prominently in the about this seller section. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, on the screen, you'll see there are some examples of what it looked like previously and what it looks like now or what it will look like in the immediate future when it rolls out. This was the line (laughs) of this message that got me. While we normally don't make changes at this time of year, what? (laughs) Uh there are sellers like climbing up the walls over all of the category changes and required updates and they actually had the gall to say we normally don't make changes at this time of year that is funny Uh, But they do say we have tested these updates over the last few months and have seen an overall positive impact on sales and conversion. That's why we're making these changes now in time for holiday sales. So hopefully it helps, uh, but I really thought that was funny. (laughs) Um, You may have noticed last week that for a very brief window of time, you were only being charged $0.30 30 cents in final value fees for some items that, that went through. This took place on Thursday morning. I th- it probably was resolved in man, 6 hours, maybe a little bit more than that. It didn't last very long, but I had a I had probably half a dozen or eight sales that went through with a final uh, value fee of just the 30 cent fixed. So what had happened was um there was a promotion that was apparently mistakenly attached to every item on eBay that said pay no final value fees on listings that offer personalization. So I knew immediately that it was a glitch because I don't have any items where I have selected personalization options. So I knew right away this was something that was a mistake, that eBay would eventually catch it and fix it. And I assumed quite correctly, that within very short amount of time, they would also charge the variable portion of the final value fee, which they did in fact do, I think the next day. So a seller who hadn't been charged said, uh, sooner or later, this glitch will get fixed. We'll all be charged retroactively and our bookkeeping will be screwed up. I I don't know how you're keeping your books that a mistake like that would screw up the bookkeeping because it just hits as another fee. I, I don't... That one I don't really get. Um, It took no time whatsoever for me to go in and add those additional fees into my accounting software. So it wasn't that big a deal, but it was really interesting that morning because my fees were super low, (laughs) Uh, which was nice. But unfortunately, it didn't last. So that will wrap it up for eBay. We're going to move on to PayPal, which I don't think a lot of us are still using, but they have made a couple of changes this first one is more probably of an update. They are revising their seller protection program, and they say it will now require sellers to provide a quote, online verifiable tracking number. This news, uh, according to e commerce bytes, was embedded in PayPal's announcement that it is updating its user agreement. They say revising PayPal's seller protection program to clarify that proof of shipment and proof of delivery must also include an online verifiable tracking number. PayPal's current Requirement was valid proof of shipment or delivery. So it's this online verifiable portion that is new verbiage. I don't know that it necessarily really changes how the program works, but it makes the verbiage perhaps a little bit more accurate. Regardless, this change could be significant, they point out, because shipping carriers only retain tracking information for a limited time. PayPal, Allows buyers to submit claims for up to six months, but the U.S. Postal Service, for instance, only retains tracking for four months. Uh, It is two years if you pay for signature required or you have a ridiculously expensive option to participate in USPS premium tracking, which will extend it out to six months for $2.10 per shipment. On most of the stuff that most of us are shipping, nobody's going to pay for that. So I don't know, again, that this is really a big deal because a lot of folks are not using PayPal, uh, but be aware of it for those of you who are. Uh, PayPal announced that you'll be able to pay for Amazon purchases with Venmo starting in 2022. Amazon does not take PayPal, uh, but Venmo is coming If you want to buy anything on Amazon.com, you generally need a credit or debit card. But in 2022, the online retailer will begin accepting Venmo as well, according to PayPal's announcement during its quarter three earnings call on Monday. Details are scarce, but if you've got a U.S. Venmo account, PayPal says you'll be able to use it to make purchases at both Amazon's website and on its mobile app starting next year. And you'll be able to use either your Venmo balance or a linked bank account to pay. They did not provide a more specific time frame or any additional details on how how those transactions might work, saying on the earnings call that PayPal was still, quote, working with Amazon on the details. Uh, Venmo, like PayPal, recently also added support for uh, cryptocurrencies, though it's not clear if you'll be able to use those to purchase items on Amazon. Uh, And another interesting tidbit on their call... They stated that while well, uh, PayPal is still larger than Venmo worldwide, the Venmo business is now as large as the entire U.S. PayPal. So that is a big number. So there's a lot of folks using Venmo. I am not one of them. Uh, but this is this will probably be good for both PayPal and for Amazon. Now we'll go back to this one. (laughs) Uh, We talked a little bit about this in a previous episode, but Amazon is really cracking down on sellers and third-party developers who engage in practices that they say violate their seller code of conduct, which includes practices with such strange names as two-step URLs, funnels, and treasure hunts. They say we have recently received several seller inquiries regarding Amazon's policy on incentives that drive customer discovery and conversion. It wrote in an announcement over on Seller Central, particularly, they say, through rebates, coupons and other marketing incentives and that are offered outside of Amazon as a way of driving a purchase in our store. The article says it may not be clear from reading the announcement exactly what kind of practices they're referring to but most people seem to think they are referring to ads on Facebook. A seller posted an Amazon um, thread that I wish Amazon would monitor Facebook for seller review manipulation showed a screenshot of an alleged Facebook post by a supplements brand that read, buy one, get two free on Amazon, promising people it it would send people who proved they made a purchase of the featured supplement on Amazon a free bottle directly. Amazon, for their part, said they considered that a violation of its seller code of conduct if the seller offered rebates, discounts, or other schemes off of Amazon that are designed to drive customers to products that are listed and sold on Amazon. They may, they say, inflate search ranking, incentivize product reviews, or generate artificial traffic and conversion behaviors. You can find the full post over on Amazon Seller Central, but uh, be aware that they are Really, really, really cracking down. In addition to the hundreds of vendors that they just deleted from the site, they're really going after these people who are manipulating feedback and reviews over on Amazon. Speaking of Amazon, uh, they continue to be, obviously, the biggest online retailer. article says Walmart and eBay trail Amazon in online sales. I think we all (laughs) Uh, pretty much knew that, but the numbers are actually pretty eye-popping. Amazon has a 41% market share in the U.S. retail e-commerce space, according to data released in late October. Their nearest rival, which is Walmart, comes in with only 6.6%. So almost a, a seven-fold difference. Uh, eBay is third with 4.2%. So uh, remember back in the olden days when eBay and Amazon were roughly the same size? Man, that ship has sailed. Interestingly, the article also points out that unlike eBay, Amazon sells goods, of course, directly. And according to its latest number, third-party sellers, so people like you and me and some of the bigger dogs, uh, make up 56% of paid units sold on its platform worldwide. So if you took the third-party sellers off of Amazon, these numbers would probably not be anywhere near as lopsided as they are. So Amazon is incredibly reliant on third-party sellers. I'm surprised we don't have a little more clout with them than we do, given that situation. Moving on now to Etsy. Uh, As we get near the holiday season, they have begun to proactively prep for potential shipping delays. Despite all the promises from uh, Mr. DeJoy and the United States Postal Service, I still expect there to be significant delays. I've already got packages that are running behind schedule, you can let me know in the comments or if you're here live today in the chat, if you are experiencing any delays already uh, with the surge and the early Christmas shopping. Um, they seem to be behind. I have a friend who is a postal carrier who says his particular branch is woefully understaffed. Essentially, they all of the route carriers are doing their route and then at least 10 to 20% of someone else's route because there's nobody to cover those routes. So it is, and that's, Obviously, we're not even to peak season yet, so it's going to be ugly. Etsy said, for their part, that they will use what they learned during last year's holiday season to help manage customers' delivery expectations and to support sellers. Etsy will share messaging about potential carrier delays across the Etsy site and will continue to update estimated delivery dates. They say they have a new algorithm to detect carrier delays and they will adjust transit time estimates accordingly. That's in addition to information that they get directly from the carriers who they say they work closely with. Note that in order for sellers to benefit, they must select a shipping carrier in their shipping profiles. For instance, in the United States, if you're shipping with USPS, be sure to select USPS in the drop-down list. If we don't know which carrier you're using, we won't know what transit time adjustments to make. Many sellers also adjust their processing time. To account for potential delivery delays, Etsy says there's no need to do that because these delays are the responsibility of the carrier. They ask in the article, are you still going to adjust your time anyway? Etsy said they will let buyers know of delays and that they stem from the carrier, not the seller, in a post-purchase confirmation email to buyers. They said they will also notify buyers by email of shipping delays. Like last year... We'll email buyers when we're seeing potential for shipping delays. These emails will let the buyers know three things. Their order has been shipped by the seller they've purchased from. It's on the way, but may arrive later than expected due to holiday delays. And, of course, how much we appreciate them supporting sellers like you this holiday season. If we send this kind of email, they say you may hear from your buyers in response to it. Etsy also says... They will consider removing negative reviews related to shipping days, but a seller will have to report it. This will not be automatic. eBay last year for their part did implement an automated process where negative reviews for shipping time were supposedly automatically deleted. Etsy is saying they will not be doing that. You'll have to report that negative feedback to them directly. up, we've talked about up several times, on this show, and how they continue to add new brands to their program. Another one was announced this week. They're just gobbling them up. Crocs and ThreadUp have launched a cleanout program, giving pre-loved items a second choice. Crocs Inc., a global leader in innovative casual footwear. I don't own any Crocs, but <laughs> uh, you can let me know if you do. I hear they're mighty comfortable, but I just can't get past how they look. Uh, anyway, they have partnered with ThreadUp, one of the largest online resale platforms for women's and kids' apparel, shoes, and accessories, and announced a clean-out program to be enabled by ThreadUp's resale-as-a-service platform. Designed to give these pre-loved items a second life, the program is part of Crocs' commitment to become a net-zero company by 2030. Crocs joins some of the world's leading brands and retailers who deliver customized, scalable resale experiences to their customer through ThreadUp's resale as a service, which include, of course, Adidas, Gap, Madewell, and I don't know how many others we've talked about on this show over the last six months. Uh, Crocs shoes, they say, are incredibly durable and perfectly built for a second life, so encouraging customers to consider reuse is extremely important to us, said Michelle Poole, the brand president at Crocs. Crocs and ThreadUp are both committed to keeping products in use and out of landfills, and we're thrilled to partner with ThreadUp to reduce our environmental footprint and bring us one step closer to achieving our net zero goal by taking action to create a more comfortable world. Crocs has put tremendous emphasis around reducing their environmental impact and waste, and ThreadUp is humbled to be part of their sustainability journey, said Pooja Sethi, senior vice president and general manager of the Resale as a Service at ThreadUp by enabling Crocs customers to give pre-loved items a second life through ThreadUp's resale as a service we're promoting reuse and inching closer to a more circular future for fashion. This program began on November 4th so it is working right now. Crocs customers in the United States can generate a prepaid shipping label from threadup.com/crocs, fill any shippable box with apparel, shoes and accessories from any brand and ship it to ThreadUp for free. They say, while it is encouraged, it is not required that customers donate Crocs shoes to participate in the clean-out program. As always, once the items are received, they must pass a rigorous quality inspection before they're listed on ThreadUp.com. after which Crocs sellers will receive a Crocs shopping credit for a limited time. Crocs is providing an additional bonus to encourage customers to participate. The credit can be used to purchase any items in-store or online at crocs.com. So... Uh, they just, they just keep growing and growing, uh, but they keep not making any money, <laughs> uh, which we'll get into here in a second. Uh, have fun flipping says would not be shocked if in the next two years, ThreadUp opened up donation drop-offs and started thrift stores in big cities. Yeah. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, they, uh, did that pilot store in, I believe it was in Brooklyn with Madewell. So depending on how that went, I would not at all be surprised to see them do that sort of thing. Because uh, they need to start making some money now. The investment community still loves ThreadUp because there are their growth is phenomenal, which we're going to get into here in a second. But they continue to lose millions of dollars. Uh, their third quarter results: all-time quarterly revenue was a new high, sixty-three point three million, which was a thirty-five percent jump over the previous year. Third quarter gross margin of seventy-three percent and gross profit growth of forty-one percent. Year over year, they had a record number of buyers and orders. They also uh, talked about their announcement of their new Texas distribution center and bragged, of course, about what we just talked about, their resale as a service. They said they marked another quarter of exceptional financial performance with our platform demonstrating strong resilience amidst headwinds posed by the pandemic. This is an interesting quote. Supply continues to appear endless. So... Uh, that will be interesting to see how long that continues, but uh, demand for secondhand is increasing with more first-time buyers trying up. We're doubling down on our infrastructure investments so we can continue providing our buyers with a vast and ever-changing selection of great brands at great prices. Uh, their net loss for that quarter was $14.7 million, 23% of revenue. Uh, that compared last year, to an $11 million loss. Now, of course, you can attribute most of this to their growth efforts, signing on all these new brands, building this big distribution center. So they're spending money now, much like Amazon did in the early days, to prepare for a profitable future. Probably the most encouraging thing for them out of all this, active buyers were $1.4 million and orders were $1.3 million, which represented growth of 14 and 28% over the same period the year before. So ThreadUp is just crushing everything except profitability. And I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to get there. Last week in the episode, we talked about Poshmark adding brand closets and courting big brands. They signed up multiple brands almost immediately. Lucky brand, free people among first to open a closet on Poshmark, uh, they, As we said, they debuted this program just last week. They have launched partnerships with Lucky, Free People, and a beauty brand called Dose of Colors. So this program just announced, just taken out of beta, and boom, they've already got big brands jumping on. So if you are a seller on Poshmark, keep your eyes out on that. Another big brand partnership. This one is over in Australia. Levi's has partnered with Depop. In Australia and New Zealand with a, an interesting tie-in. They are uh, launching a partnership with Depop with three particular creators in that market to offer customized Levi's authorized vintage 501 jeans and trucker jackets in their Depop stores. Starting today... A limited edition run of customized vintage Levi's products in a wide range of sizes will be available from the Depop stores of Tanzan Crawford, Luca Young, and Sean Dianthas, who post under the respective Depop handles of Premium Zoo, XE, and Furry Little Peach, respectively. Prices are going to start at about 60 Australian dollars or 45 US for a pair of customized 501s. Uh, And reach all the way up to about 300 Australian dollars for a trucker jacket. So not only are these companies getting into resale themselves, they're also now partnering not only with the platforms, but reaching out to particular influencers as well. So just remarkable. (laughs) Uh, Depop also, kudos to them. They have been granted a climate neutral certification by the environmental solutions provider South Pole, the company which had set out originally to reach this milestone as part of its 2022 sustainability plan, started retroactively offsetting greenhouse gas emissions from shipping in January of last year and has since expanded their efforts to do so. Becoming climate neutral is an important step on our journey toward making Depop actively kinder to people and the planet. We believe in setting Ambitious goals and focusing our efforts on delivering results and iterating fast. So, now we that we've achieved this milestone, we will shift our focus towards net zero. So, uh, congratulations to DPOP for being granted a climate neutral certification. It's baby steps, but uh, even the longest of journeys begins with that first step. So, Congratulations to Depop. The last thing, in the news for this week, uh, from the News of the Bazaar, Mercari has banned the sale of pumice stone. (laughs) Uh, This article on NHK World Japan says the Japanese online flea market operator, I never hear it referred to that anywhere other than in the Japanese press, Uh, Mercari has banned the sale of pumice stones collected after being spewed forth by an eruption of an undersea volcano saying their safety has yet to be determined. Uh, There have been many sales already, apparently, of such stones. They've been on the website since late October. They're believed to have been collected in southwestern Japan's Okinawa Prefecture after drifting there following the eruption uh, near the Ogasara Islands in August. The price ranged up to about 2,500 yen, which is 22 U.S. dollars. Uh, For their part, the Okinawa Prefecture has Analyzed some of this stone that reached the coast. They said the levels of cadmium lead and other toxic substances were, quote, within acceptable limits under standards set by Japan's government. But they have asked people to not collect these stones until they can finish checking them. So there you go. Uh, That doesn't affect you probably if you are over here in the U.S. much. But an interesting story. Nonetheless, so uh, with that all being said, let's take a look at some of the stuff that I was allowed to sell here in the U.S. So it was not, it wasn't a bad week, but there were no real big hitters. And I had, interestingly, my best weekend ever on Mercari. It was crazy good. I think I did nine sales, which nine sales doesn't really sound like a lot, but normally in a weekend I'll do one or two on Mercari. And this week they just kept coming and they were actually, for the most part, the bigger sales that I did last week. As you'll see as we go through, I think I've got nine here today. None of them are particularly huge. Uh, The week on balance, there was enough stuff that it came out okay, but it was just There's no big hitters, so there's nothing here. Super-duper exciting, but hopefully you'll find some stuff interesting. This first item, this is one of those that I show from time to time, even though it's not really big money, just to remind you that there's money in stuff that you might not ordinarily think there is money in. This is a Selected Lazarus Restaurant Recipes Cookbook. So Lazarus was a kind of a regional department store chain here in the Midwest. In Ohio, it was... Lazarus, Shilato's, rikes they all merged. They all fell under the umbrella of the federated department stores. They have all since been rebranded as Macy's. But Lazarus, as many department stores did back in that day, had a fairly nice restaurant. And they had some pretty interesting stuff on their menus. Part of the big haul of free stuff that I got, as I was rooting through the boxes, I stumbled on this old cookbook. recipe book. It was only like 50 some pages. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to look and see. And of course there's nothing like it anywhere on eBay that I can find. And I, there's a lot of nostalgia for the the days of the department store because it's kind of a dying breed. So I threw this thing up there. My cost of goods sold is zero. So uh, I pay for a premium store. It doesn't cost me anything to list. So I threw this thing up there for $19.99 or best offer plus shipping Within about four days, I had an offer for $16.99 plus shipping and sent it on its way. So, again, not huge money, but I probably do four to six sales like this a week. That's an extra 100 $150. Bucks. How do you say no to that? This is another, uh, this is a songbook actually that was also part of that free lot. So, again, cost of goods sold is zero. Puccini's La Rondine, The Swallow, Canto E Piano Vocal Score from 1969. This was a really pretty rare piece. I only found, I think, one that had been sold on eBay over the last year in Terapeak. So I listed this thing, I think, at $29.99 or best offer. This is another one that I received an offer on of $24.99 plus shipping. So I went ahead and sold this. Old Songbooks, Sheet Music, some of it, it's a lot of work to go through and to research for not necessarily always a lot of reward, but every now and then you'll hit one that's worth 10, 15, 20, 25 bucks, and they're, they're probably worth listing. I don't know that I would probably buy a lot of these individually, but when I can get them in big lots and my cost of goods sold, like this one was zero, but a lot of times I can get them for less than 10 cents a piece, uh, it's usually not difficult to bust out of the lot. First sale for the week over on Mercari. There are going to be several. I think I've actually got more Mercari sales here this week than I do eBay sales, which is really unusual. Uh, Seiko, I think I can't really tell how this is pronounced a 12 days of Christmas jigsaw puzzle collection. This is 12 individual 100 piece puzzles in a box. I picked this up at a garage sale back in the spring Assuming that when we got closer to the season, this would be something that somebody would want. I paid, I think, $2 for this. It sold for $25 with free shipping. This was an interesting one. I didn't do as well on this as I anticipated. Um, this is a a model from Ravel from 1966 of the Mayflower. This was... In its box, the box was opened, but the model appeared to be complete. I paid, I think, $9 for this at a garage sale. I had it listed for $34.99 and nothing. No watchers, no questions, no nothing. I finally had somebody that reached out to me and asked me to take a picture of a particular piece of this model. And if that piece was not broken, he would buy it. That piece, in fact, was not broken. However, he did lowball me. (laughs) Uh, I had this thing listed for $34.99 or best offer. My minimum acceptable offer was $25. He was down to one offer remaining when he finally hit $25. I decided to cash out of this thing and just move on with life. So $25 plus he paid for priority mailed shipping on this model from 1966. My man, uh, Derek, over at Fundamentals of Side Hustling, he does so well with models and I just I can't find any, and when I do find them, I can't find them at a good price. So he's really got he's he does so well with those, and I'm so I'm so envious, <laughs> uh, to be honest. But um, this it's it's gone, it's out of here, and I got my money out of it. So uh, Jim Lucas says I have two of those cookbooks. I've seen the later ones go for forty bucks. Bolos for me, absolutely. Soup recipes are great. In the Indianapolis area, there's a lot of nostalgia for these. Yeah, they're, again, the old department stores, particularly the ones from prior to everything being rebranded to Macy's. So if it still has the regional connection like Schillito's, Lazarus, Reich's, uh, Goldman's, all of those, uh, Riches, I think was another one, those all have a certain nostalgia factor about them that make them worth Again, not necessarily huge money, but pretty decent money. Next up, back to Mercari. This was an interesting, again, part of the free haul that I did a couple of weeks ago. So I've got nothing in these books. There was a, probably, I think there were nine total. 1950s era and 60s era Ian Fleming, James Bond paperbacks. So old vintage with the old look, they all had a similar style of cover and I broke these up into lots of three. One of them sold immediately on eBay and then I had a customer reach out on Mercari that was looking at two individual lots. I had them priced, I think I want to say at $17 each plus shipping. He asked if I would combine them and cut him some kind of deal on the two lots. So I created a custom listing. I edited actually one of the listings to include, as you can see, updated six book 007 paperback lot. I charged him 27 bucks because I was going to save $3 on combined shipping. And these are on their way, $27 minus what I had to pay for shipping, which was still, I think these still went out for $3 and 82 cents. So this was a pretty profitable sale again, considering cost of goods sold was nothing. This was a nice book. From 1929, I picked this up at an estate sale for a dollar. Back late winter, early spring, Look Homeward Angel from Thomas Wolfe. This was a modern library giant edition in its dust jacket. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see from the picture the dust jacket is not in particularly great shape. As I've talked about here previously, as long as it is not just completely falling apart, I usually leave them on the book because people prefer to have them. This book, again, from a cost of goods sold of a dollar, went for $32.99 plus shipping. So, another one, if you're inclined to look for books, be on the lookout. Not all of the Thomas Wolf stuff does fantastic, but the older, kind of original ones do pretty well. I've talked about bound magazines here, gosh, numerous times on this show. This is part of a set that I picked up well over a year ago. The History of the Second World War. This was Volume 3. I had the bound, I think it was, I want to say 12 issues per binder. And I had maybe seven or eight of these and sold all of them except Volume 3 almost immediately for $32.99 with free shipping. And this one just sat here for the longest time. I finally had a customer on Mercari that reached out to me with an offer of $28 with free shipping. And I sent this thing on its way. So again, be on the lookout for bound magazines, um, particularly anything historic, the history of the Second World War, this particular volume notwithstanding. They all sold for good money and fairly quickly. This was a pretty nice sale. I picked these up at a garage sale for $0.10 a piece back in early summer, um, a vintage 90s book set. These were called Girl Talk. I had 14, I don't know how many there are actually in this this series, but I got these, like I said, for 10 cents a piece with a bulk buy of a bunch of other books. I had this thing listed over on Mercari for $49 with free shipping. My cost of goods sold at 10 cents a piece is $1.40, so that's a pretty nice flip. Uh, and now I believe it is time for the flip of the week. Also, $49. This is something I picked up at an estate sale for 50 whole cents. Your Days Are Numbered, A Manual of Numerology for Everybody from by Florence Campbell. This is a trade paperback from 1987. I do reasonably well with anything, astrology, tarot, numerology, all of that stuff. People eat that stuff up. This is one, again, I own it for next to nothing. It sold for $49 with free shipping. It went out of here. Media mail for $3.19 plus the cost of the polymailer minus my fees. Pretty nice sale. Not, of course, not hundreds of dollars, uh, but a, a nice way to end the week. I, I just love these old books. <laughs> uh, they do pretty well. They're not, again, they're not necessarily huge money, uh, but they're easy to they're easy to list, they're easy to ship, they're easy to store. They're. I just think they're, I, I love media, as we've talked about on this show previously. So, with all of that being said, uh, greetings to everyone who popped into the chat and did say hello today. If this is your first time here and you're not a subscriber, please consider subscribing or following the podcast. I would appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can do me a favor and whack that thumbs up button to let YouTube know that you enjoyed this video. A couple of just quick announcements. I have also, for anyone who is interested at all in kind of my thoughts on music or what I listen to on music, um, I started another podcast. The first episode went live yesterday. Uh, It is called Ryan's Random Record Hour. I think I have a link here. Yes. Yes. It is only available on Spotify, but essentially what I'm doing is I'm spending roughly an hour each week highlighting particular songs from current times to olden times that I think people probably should have listened to or should be aware of that they may not have ever heard. It is, like I said, a Spotify exclusive because of the licensing rights for the music. I will discuss the history of a song, what it meant to me, how I discovered it, And then I will actually play the full song. If you are a Spotify premium subscriber, you will get to hear the entire song. If you are not a Spotify premium subscriber, you'll hear a 30-second clip of the song, enough to maybe let you know if it's something you like or not. So if you are a music fan at all and you'd be interested in that, I did put a link in the chat to the Spotify show. Um, I would appreciate anybody who wants to stop over there and take a look. Uh, Ryan's Random Record Hour. So the first episode is all about female vocalists. I've got 10 songs on there. So go check that out and let me know what you think. With that, uh, again, good morning to everyone who stopped by the live this morning. I appreciate you guys taking a little bit of time out of your day. For those of you who are catching the replay, please feel free to leave a comment. If you're listening to the podcast, there is a link in the show notes to send a voice message if you'd like to comment on anything you heard here today you can do that and maybe i will play it in a future episode so i hope everybody has a great week i hope you're selling a lot i hope you're getting geared up for fourth quarter if you've got a death pile there's no better time than now to get that stuff listed so let's get busy and now it's time to sell thanks guys